Hello, this is Francis Lombard, and here is my second interview during New York Comic Con 2022. This time I talk with porn sack P. Shetshot about a bunch of things, including the Good Asians Harvey Awards win for Book of the Year, and also what he plans on doing for the future. Enjoy! Porn sack, it's the morning after, your big win. Congratulations. Thank you. I, I know the thing is with these awards, like you won one of the guys near for Good Asian too, and then last night you won a Harvey Award for Best Book of the Year, if I have it right. Yes, yes you so, do. So congratulations. Thank you. It doesn't mean any of the books that were also nominated were any less oh, no, they were spectacular. Like, they were, oh my God, all the books that were fantastic. Jesus, yeah. Great, great books there. It, it's really tough. I, I, you know, I've always said it's great to be invited to the party. Yeah. I really don't care if I win. Yeah, no. You know? Especially for these awards. Especially for these awards. I, I thought that for the Eisner. The, the Really, the award for the Eisner is getting nominated because, yeah. you know, uh, there, there's all these weird things. Winning is all a weird, you know, Rube Goldberg kind of thing of. It's a mixture of popularity, it's a mixture of right place, right time, and all that kind of stuff. Who but votes, who doesn't exactly, vote. Exactly, exactly. You know? So, but, so, actually, to be nominated, that is the real test of the quality of the vote. Yeah. So, I mean, but still, you're up there, and you took a moment to sort of just talk about, you know, what your thoughts were. I mean, I don't know if you want to revisit that. Yeah, yeah Because sure. it was I, interesting. Uh, yeah, you know, I, uh, I'm be honest, I don't entirely remember everything I said, but I, I will... Uh, I didn't think I remember the general genre in which uh, my comments were. Um, you know, it's one of the things I've seen in comics, in other entertainment sort of media, where, uh, you know, it's, it's a weird thing where, you know, you're seeing people of more colors and faiths sort of like being integrated sort of in books now and certain aspects of the population lose their minds over it. Um, but, you know, when it comes to their voices and their perspectives, it, there's like one month of the year where they, everyone takes the time to sort of talk about that. And, um, and, and you know, and the, the rationale behind that is that this belief that publishers, that studios, that all they all have, that this is niche material. And because it's niche material, it, uh, it, it attracts a niche budget. And so they don't, you know, they don't uh, push it with the resources that they do, other books that they sort of believe in. Because no matter how good they think it is, it, it's like, well, it's for this very specific audience. And, and to me, what I really appreciate about Eisner's and the Harvey's is that it draws a little bit more attention to the book. And it says, well, no, it's not about a niche audience. It, it's about a general audience. And because there's a cynicism behind that perspective as well, right? There's this idea that, you know, it's niche because the experience, this belief that this experience can't transcend beyond the person who, who directly is, it is affected by. But the race of the person yeah. who's directly, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Or, or the faith or the gender yeah. or whatever yeah. it may be. But these stories can't transcend. And so, uh, so there's a there's an implicit uh, cynicism behind that, and so it's heartwarming uh, and encouraging to see awards and sales show that publishers and studios are wrong when when you see that. And that's what I try to sort of you know tap into a little bit uh, when I had the chance to talk last night. That you know, and it's one of the things I really appreciate about Image, you know. The way that place is set up, you know, it got the launch that any, you know, big book that they believed in got, you know, and they, they gave us that uh, chance to succeed, where I don't know another publisher would. Like this, I think I said this at the Eisner, this is a book where everybody wants to publish, but I don't think everybody actually believes this. 
and and as and it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because they don't believe it will sell. They don't allocate the resources to help it sell. Now, with image, isn't that like the best place to be? Because there's nobody really there telling you no in a way. Yes, yes. I, I mean, they could. Yeah, but, but beyond they that, they can get behind the book. They can get but, behind the book, but yeah, there's no one telling you no. I mean, there's one yes and one no in terms if the book goes. Gets but published, then, yeah. But then after that, it's sort of all us. But beyond that, yeah. though, like the individuals at Image, they really went all out. They read the book. They liked the book. They felt the need to make sure people knew about know about the book, you know, and, and that's a little bit that that sort of what is it that that human capital that that, that is being spent that I sort of really appreciate it and it's certainly helped made the book be successful. Well, with the, you know how much work it does take to do an image book yeah. because it is you're yeah. the you you run the show yeah, yeah. to have them knowing that they're 100 percent plus yeah. behind it that it gets you out of the out of bed when there's a rough day or something yeah. ahead of you. Yeah, I mean that you're like every you've already been voted for. By them? Yeah, by them, by you know, by everyone on the internet, by by professionals who blurbed it, like everyone. And there's there's not a person who has given a little bit of their voice to sort of promoting the book in any way, shape, or form that gets unseen or is unappreciated because it, it really is a game of inches. And the funny thing is, it's a crime book. Yeah, yeah. Pretty from the start. Yes, 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 yes. And in crime stuff, especially your main character, who's named like, Edison. You know, Edison. Yes. He's not the nicest guy around. No, no, he's not. No matter no. Who, wh yeah. where he's coming from. No, no, he's not. His, the his traits just yeah. really ain't the greatest yeah. things. No, yeah. He's not a likable guy. He's not somebody you get behind and go, oh, he shows you he's know, not a the role best model. part of. Yeah, yeah, he's not a role model. Yeah. So to have a book take off like that because you have an anti hero. Yeah. And then people still like want to read yeah. the challenges that he deals with, well, and, and he makes his life even difficult for himself yeah. as the book proceeds. Well, and, yeah. and, and you know too, and that was one of the, certainly one of the reasons to lean into noir because noir has a history of antiheroes. Yeah. And part of the, the 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 point of the book is that can we have one who is can we have an Asian, a person of color, or a protagonist that's as conflicted, as complicated, as flawed as, you know, the white protagonist that we've had for almost 100 years that it doesn't, you know, all those problematic characteristics hasn't stopped, you know, Humphrey Bogart from making some of the most classic characters in sort of cinematic history, you know, even though not all, some of them were, were nice guys, some of them weren't, you know, so, so I, that was also part of the, this, you know, that, that, and it's part of what the book is about, that, that, uh, the character didn't have to be perfect to be embraced. Now, did you read up, read, you know, growing up when you started getting into, you know, probably crime or just books and comics, did you read anything that, you know, you wanted to, like, that sparked your mind to go down, tell a story about, like, innocence? Honestly, I think that the... the I mean, were you a genre junkie, or was there something you found ages yeah, ago? I, you know, I mean, like, the early an anti antecedents of it are certainly, like, watching Charlie Chan movies. Really? You were, yeah. Okay. Uh, you know, when in college I kind of stumbled stumbled on them. I thought, oh, this is like, you know, it was a curiosity more than anything else. I, you know, most of my crime knowledge comes from comics, you know, Frank Miller or Cook, and that was certainly later. I mean, I think part of getting into comics and certainly superhero comics is this realization that, uh, that um, it's such a bastard medium that it, it uh, you get exposure to a lot of classic material, classic genres, and you don't necessarily know what you're getting exposed to until later you go through the classes like, oh, this is where that came from, this is where that came from. And so I think when I was younger, there was a lot of crime stuff that was baked into the superhero stuff that I was already reading. 
so Charlie Chan and then other what superheroes were you reading? Oh God! That, I mean, I mean Batman, certainly a lot of the Frank, of Batman, Frank Miller, Daredevil, uh, Charlie Chan when I was older. But you know, most of my crime, uh, most of the, my appreciation of crimes have happened later in my life. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it, one of the reasons why I really wanted Will on this book because yeah. you know he introduced me to he gave you know he recommended my first Chandler novel and like a lot of that came later on. I think when I started Vertigo is when I really started getting into the crime. Genre. Oh, so he started like yeah, yeah, telling he, you about Chandler and yeah, all these yeah, the yeah, old yeah. classics. Yeah, I think when I, you were there. Was just, yeah, it was like very casual conversation, you know. And even like you know early on, I was like, all right, what Lou Archer novel should I be reading? And then he'd be like, give me three, you know. Which, you know, which, uh, you know, Philip Marlowe book should I start with? You know, all that kind of stuff. You know, he was one of those early people, you know, and I, I read, you know, oh, God, uh, why am I blanking on his name? He wrote Mr. River. Um, oh, he's from Boston, as you were talking about. Dennis Lehane. Lehane, yeah. Lehane, yeah, like, you know, it was while I was at Vertigo, I got started on, ah, oh, man, it was made from a movie that started Casey Affleck. Oh, Gone Baby Gone. Gone Baby Gone, yes. Yeah. Wait, is that Gone Baby Gone? Yeah, Gone Baby Gone. Gone Baby Gone, yeah. Which was first, Lehane's, some of the first books he did. He had about those two yeah. characters showing up. Yeah, yeah. I haven't really, I think I've read one of them, but I have to okay. go back. Yeah, for yeah, somebody like, from Massachusetts, Lehane is, I don't know, I, I don't know. I've, what I've read, I've really enjoyed. Yeah, yeah. Maybe. I've, <laughs> I've always meant to read Mystic River, too. I love yeah. that movie, and I wanted to go back and read it. And I think around that same time, I read Gone Baby Gone, and like, you know, that but all of that stuff that I read like kind of happened you know I think Will turned me on to Bangkok 8 Will, I think Will recommended Bangkok 8 to me which was like a Thai uh, detective in Bangkok oh okay um, so yeah so, so I mean Will's recommended a bunch of crime crimes to me and that I feel like I got really more properly educated on it once I was did Edison come there's a bit of the continental op yes there's very yes yes 100% yeah 100% he's very there's a very big inspiration of the continental op. Part of it was, you know, if you're looking at noir of the time, it's Philip Marlowe and it's the continental op. It's the same speed. Those yeah. are the three. Yep. And uh, so you Hammond and Marlowe. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And so um, and and Marlowe is so distinctive that if you try, like, it turns into self-parody very easily if you're not careful. And the thing I liked about the continental op is it had a very lean prose style that was, that had a very fixed point of view. There were a lot of stories, and you know, the story. Dead Yellow Women was a continental op, and that that was a Chinatown. That was a Chinatown. Movie. So, um, so the continental op felt like a good place to base the character. You know, Sam Spade to me. Sam Spade was, was only really one. Was it only one novel? Was Sam Spade? There's Lucy Falcon. I know there was a bunch of short stories. Short stories. I think there's another one. Is there another? Yeah, I think there's a few others. Okay, okay. Because, they, but yeah, but for me, the continental op it was the Dane Curse, Red Harvest, a bunch of short stories, and that gave me a big wealth to like draw from. It's like, yeah, yeah. I think if I go down this vein from the character, it will, um, you know, it, it, it provides a nice template that will not lead, hopefully lead me into self-character. Yeah. And it, he's a character that has influenced so many others. And I think yeah. maybe because there is a bit of an anti-hero. There's yes. an everyman aspect yes. to him, too. He's not the brightest guy most a lot of yeah. the times, but he just persists. Yeah, yeah, 100%. He's a tank. He just, like, yeah. keeps... He's dogged. He's dogged in a different way than Philip Marlowe is dogged. So there is something... You know, I mean, you never even know his name. Yeah. So, you know, so, like, there, 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 there's something that's very appealing. Well, there's there, that idea that you don't know his name is that the reader can place himself yeah. there yeah. a lot more. Yeah. So, I mean, did you find, when you read those stories for the first time, did you, con- I, mean, I don't know, did you connect 
with it because question. I don't know if I connected with it anymore because of that open open slater or the POV that they yeah. provided. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I don't. I, I I might have. I I can't. Well, was there a sense say. of wish fulfillment? wish fulfillment per se I think there's just something I mean because to me my favorite continental story is Red Harvest and there is just something about that propulsion that uh, that that's in Red Harvest that I just that I love and I love the fact that he had attitude uh, you know the, the, you know the, the fact that and that this definitely influenced the good Asian the fact that for the con- so much of the Red Harvest is he was just pissed off, you know, and he's like, ah, they treated me bad, so I'm just gonna, you know, the next two thirds of the novel happens because they treated him bad. And it did seem like Edison was driven by a lot of anger. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Especially when you first, you know, you know first couple issues. Yes. Yeah. Like, wow, this is guy we're gonna root for. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he is. He's a very angry person. I mean, do, I mean, that was intentional. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, again, it was. I, I, I like to think I wasn't doing anything. Thing that was too out of bounds you know, that the original noirs the original pulp sort of that you saw in the original pulp detectives and again the goal was you know most of the times when you see Asian protagonists now they kind of have to be perfect they have to be the nice guy they have to be likable and all that sort of stuff and you know and part of it and it's part of what the book is about is that an Asian protagonist doesn't get the same luxury to be complicated and to be messy and so I wanted him to be messy, but I also wanted you to root for him and be compelled to that. Again, the same way that I was compelled and, you know, all those antiheroes became sort of classics of cinema and, liter- and literature, despite the fact that they had flaws. And I think that's kind of was the goal for Edison Park, was that, you know, despite his flaws, you relate to him and you root, and you root for him. And, and hopefully, too, as horrible as some of the stuff he does is, the, other, the opposite end that I, we tried to do at, as much as we can is just sort of say, well, this is part of his environment. And so, like, what were his options? You know, this was what he was trying to do and this is what he had to kind of be to survive. And what were his, you know, like, he made perhaps a bad choice out of naivety very early on in his life about wanting to be a police officer, which was, you know, that's based on, uh, you know, history. There were Asian men who wanted to be police officers and were police officers at that time. And then it was just kind of unraveling the emotional, the consequences of that. Do you think with, as the world gets smaller, and I mean, there was this influx of films from Hong Kong in the yeah, 90s, yeah. and that's sort of gone away, but now you have Korean crime films yeah, yeah, yeah. coming in. Do you think it really matters if American, well, probably, does. I mean, because Americans is such a, it does, I, I guess, I don't know, but it just, you're already seeing characters that are done by, I don't know, that are flawed and everything from other countries coming in, but it, it's not a mass media, it's not getting the push that you get in America from our media, I guess, yeah. I don't know. But, but I mean, like, you know, I, I'm not one of those people, but like, you know, you can't, or you, you can't underestimate the, the, uh, the reach and the power of yes. soap operas, yeah. you know, and like Squid Game or anything yeah. like that. Yeah, it's successful yeah. Squid Game. Yeah. But, but, but again, for me, it was trying to take that one step further of, yes, but those are still Korean and they're Japanese. Like, I very much wanted someone Asian-American and, yes. that, and that particular texture and to delineate the distinction between Asian and Asian-American because they are so often conflated. Because it goes back to the research you did yeah. and um, uh, of what was going on, what had gone on 50 years ago yeah. with the United States government actually making it illegal to be Chinese in a country. Yes. You know, yeah, these films that are coming over, 
don't have that kind of background. Right, right. And you're, the experience that somebody uh, like who's Asian American yeah. would have with growing up, it, what's going on now. Right. You know, but it's still, history does reverberate. Yeah, history does reverberate. But also, too, like, you know, and, and again, it's, it's a confliction that we've made, right? Like, you know, when we will take a, you know, if you look at a Nigerian film, we don't say, oh, that's a great representation of the black experience. Like, you know, we don't say, like, I bet, you know, black audiences are happy because of this great Nigerian film. But there is that mistake that we made. It's like, oh, but we've got all this great Korean cinema. Why are Asian Americans dissatisfied that they don't, that there isn't more for them? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I think what I was saying is just the, the representation being on the screen. But you're right. It's still not the people who have, you know, from this country who are Americans yeah. and, and think, have this representation. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's what it means. Like, one of the things we're seeing, we're seeing people... You know, we're seeing a superficial sort of thing of people of different colors sort of being there. But there, the yeah. next step is, like, well, let's talk about their stories. Let's talk about their perspectives. And when you do that, you realize, well, okay, well, the perspective of a Korean and a Korean-American are two vastly different things. Yes. And can we get to, into the more specificity of what a Korean-American perspective is and how this might inform this story and how might, this might change as well? Yeah, that's, um, yeah, you're um, staying corrected. Really. <laughs> <laughs> I was just trying to, I guess it was pretty much a reach because it is, it varies. I mean, it's a great different experience. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but to your point, though, I do think the influx of Asian sort of, like, cinema, like, you know... I just maybe makes it easier for executives to understand that it doesn't yeah. really matter who's up on the screen other than you're yeah. telling a really good story. Yeah, yeah. But I, maybe not, but I know. Or, or at the very least, people aren't as intimidated by subtitles. Yeah. You know, so, like, it's it's a game of inches, if you win. I mean, like, it's funny, like, I guess I one of the things I hadn't thought about, like, when, when we were talking about early, like, crime influence, like, Hong Kong cinema was a huge sort of, you know, John Woo and Chow Yun-Fat, like, those were definitely sort of big influences, you know, on, on me, on the book, and, and, and all that. Oh, great. Yeah. Okay, cool. So, what do you do now? It's a really good question. It's a really good I question. I mean, you were saying last night, I was like, have I peaked already? Yeah, yeah I mean, I might have. <laughs> the worst part of a writer, you know, it's, yeah, like, I, it's like what Neil Gaiman had said. Yeah. It's like 20 years ago, I got lifetime achievement, and I'm <laughs> yeah, only 40. Right, right. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you guys trying to tell me something? <laughs> I, it's like, time to get out. Yeah, You've done no, your time. No. Uh, it's a really good question. I don't totally know the answer. Uh, I am working on a Dead Boy Detectives mini right now for Black Label. Uh, and that is, there's some Asian stuff in there, there's some ghosts in there, there's some detectives in there, so it's kind of a mix of a bunch of things that, I, that I've done before, but also some new stuff too, because it's a little bit more of like a YA story, and it's a YA horror story, and I'm having fun juxtaposing those two very different things. Uh, I'm starting, going about to start the research on the sequel to The Good Asian. It has proved a lot trickier than I thought, uh, but we're getting there. I'm getting there. So, uh, so there's that. Uh, yeah, and I've got a couple other, and, and I've got some TV stuff that I'm doing on as well. And so, so yeah, so it's just, I, I told myself this was a year to, to act like a professional writer where they juggle multiple projects. So I'm trying that, and it's really stressful is what I've learned. Now, do you feel, you've done horror, you've done crime. I, I mean, obviously you're happy with those, you being swimming in those pools. Yeah. Is there something like a dream project you would like to see get done oh, that, you know, a different genre that you would I, like to I constantly try want out? to experiment, like, you know, I would constantly like to experiment with genres. Yeah. Uh, Are you, like, mix, mix, mixing them up or something? Yeah, yeah, well, I mean, Dead Boy Detectives, again, is a little bit horror, a little yeah. bit crime, mostly YA, mostly a YA story, so I'm looking on the cut. And that's coming from Sandman Universe, yes, right? Yes, coming from yeah. Sandman Universe. Sandman Universe, Dead Boy Detectives, Detectives. <laughs> it's a very, it's a long mouthful. Um, and then, uh, and yeah, but then I, you know, I've got some other things that I'm looking at that uh, will be different, different genres as well. It's something I definitely want to try. It's a, I, 
with my career or work, I, I do want to try to branch out and play around with as many genres as I can. So, and I do have, there, I, when I think of like dream projects, I've got a, I've got a couple, um, got a couple dream projects, but for me those dream projects are usually uh, things I haven't figured out how to crack. Yeah. You know, and like, and so they're churning in the back, kick, kick around the back of my head, and so I can really figure out how to crack that. Like, you know, this, the, the good Asian was kicking around the back of my head for a while. It's like, and I think for me, it was just like, it was maybe less how to crack it, and more just like the daunting amount of research that cracking it involved. And then, and yeah, so I've got a couple of that. Um, I have a Superman horror story that I would love to do someday. There you go. Uh, but yeah, but that's probably the closest thing I have to like something concrete that I. Well, as a prof- and we've talked about this before of like the extra the work that you have yeah. to do and the balancing and yeah. the, the switching gears. And you said you like I want I gotta I just gotta pretend to be a professional writer yeah. this time and dive into it. Do you feel work for hire? makes it a little bit easier because a lot of some of especially with a character like in the Sandman universe or Superman that the research has been done in a way the the world building's already there for you to get in there and do it even your DC uh, short story you did with Adam yeah. The character was already ready made for you. Yeah. You just have to sort of know about it. I mean, it's it's. It, I think it's less. It's still work, right? Because you're still. Oh, yeah. You want to yeah. be. You want to be like. Even though the characters already created a lot of stuff for for these corporate characters, is the, you know, this has been around for a while. It's like distilling what whose voice is the voice of the character, and then it's about re- re- remaining faithful to the voice of the character, and so that is certainly work. Uh, it is less work than creating a character from scratch and like making sure that that character is three-dimensional and so so that's a lot of work but one of the things I found certainly is you know the eight-page story is the same amount of work as a one-ish 24-page story which might be the same amount of work honestly as like a three to five issue story because like, like the hard work is creating the characters and making them you know a good approximation of real with all the nuances that a real character should have well, it sounds like you gotta, you know, jumping right into 2023. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know how much better it needs to be after coming off the season, you know, yeah, we'll see. and the positivity that's come your way, and, and people, you know, knowing that you, you, it sounds like you did something right. Yeah, yeah, no, that's been that's been really great. That's been really so, great. I have no idea what to expect now or what anyone will think. So we'll see but how it goes. People seem to have the confidence, and uh, you, you should have it too. So. Yeah, hopefully, we'll see about that. But and congratulations on last night again, and on the everything and the success. So. Thank you. I really appreciate yeah, that. So thank you, and have a great. New York Comic Con. One more day. One more day. I know we're almost at the end of it. (laughs) See you later. All right, see ya.